Call this number if you need to get in touch with Mr. Wellick. You can call me Mr. X. <laughs> Come on, you never seen JFK? Oliver Stone movie? Sir, I gotta be honest, that's embarrassing. Do yourself a favor and watch it. Pay for Christ's sake. Anyway, you can call me Mr. Sutherland for now. Don't hesitate to reach me when you're ready. We're always close by. I'm so happy to be here today with Henry. My name is Margaret, and this is the Hello Friend podcast. We're here to talk about season one, episode two of Mr. Robot. This episode was called Ones and Zeros. It was written and directed by the show creator, Sam Esmail. And the story this week turns a lot around the idea of Elliot being split between the option of taking a job with Evil Corps or going with F Society activists. Henry, what did you think of Ones and Zeros? Uh, I thought it was an interesting way to kind of start thinking about Elliot's life and examining uh, the world that he occupies, that it's really about choices and consequences. If you look at the episode through the lens of choices and consequences, it's interesting um, that these characters, and especially Elliot, are forced to make these decisions and then deal with the consequences. Yes, and like every episode so far that we've seen for Mr. Robot, it uses language and jargon from the world of technology and hacking and computers to talk about life and related to life and on multiple levels. And as you know, Henry, ones and zeros reference binary values and binary code, but it's used throughout this whole episode to talk about choices, the illusion of choice, and where that fine line exists between the two. Yeah, and the episode's really interesting to me in that you see some of the scenes about the consequences of choices that you haven't necessarily seen Elliot make, but he's dealing with the consequences now in that episode. Uh, or things that he does in the episode that you anticipate the consequences of maybe in the episode or in the future, like his, his choice to take morphine without and breaking his rule that he asked his dealer to, to abide by. That's a choice that he's going to make that it's going to be interesting to see what the consequences are. Yes. And when we open this particular episode, we see the continuation of where we left off from last week, where basically Elliot was picked up by some men in black and taken to this really intimidating looking boardroom. And there's Tyrell with a bunch of attorneys. <laughs> and, and when we open this week, we see that Tyrell is offering Elliot an offer he may not be able to refuse. Yeah. And that I, I love that opening scene in the boardroom. It reminds me of a place that I used to work at on Wall Street where you could look out of these conference room windows and feel like the king of the world until you realize that you're actually working for the kings <laughs> and uh, working a lot of hours uh, to boot. So I could, I could really relate to that uh, 
kind of scene that they were trying to set there. It's really interesting being in some of those office buildings in a place like Manhattan because it's so different being way high up and feeling like you're saying, I'm on top of the world. And really, you're just allowed to enjoy a little piece of it for, you know, if you're like 99.99% of the rest of the world. And it's a very different city when you're looking at it from way up there than when you're in the subway or down in the streets. So mm. I thought that was very striking and very Manhattan-like as well. Do you get a sense of who Tyr- Tyrell is right now? Well, to me, it this episode number two is interesting in that it kind of mirrors the way that we were introduced to Elliot and it follows a similar arc of revealing someone at the height of their power and then kind of revealing all of their flaws or all of their dependencies as things unfold. So as we're first introduced to Tyrell, he's, you know, this person who holds the keys to the kingdom has seemingly all this power. And then as we learn more about him, we actually learn that, no, he's has his own kind of game that he's trying to, to play as well. Yes, because he has designs to be the, the full-time newly appointed CTO now that Terry Colby has been completely undermined and totally effed by F society and who knows who else pinning all of these crimes on him. And, and we see later on in the season, even other potential crimes that are real crimes that he was involved in. And Tyrell feels like he has the whole world in his hands. He, he does feel like he owns that place in that high rise office. Yeah. And that it's, it's his to then obtain. Uh, and so it's interesting to see how he deals with events as they unfold, they, coming from where he's coming from in terms of his sense of entitlement and his ambition. Yes. And then after Elliot completely shocks Tyrell, and I would say really ticks him off for turning down his offer, because Elliot says, I think I'm happy where I am. Elliot leaves to Beethoven Symphony Number no. 7 and is back in the car with the men in black. <laughs> and, and it's not the last time we're going to see these men in black, right? No, and they even threw in the requisite Oliver Stone JFK reference <laughs> by um, saying, well, we're like Mr. X. <laughs> 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 so what 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 do you think of Elliot's choice? Oh boy. Do you actually think that he had a choice at all? I don't really know. I mean, it seems like on some level, the fact that he said no has only made him more of a target. So I don't know. That's a good question. What do you think? Well, yeah, I, I, I guess that's what I was wondering is, does he actually, is, was that a real choice? Was it something that he actually could have taken? Because... As we kind of learn throughout episode two and subsequent episodes, there are events set in motion. So maybe what was kind of presented to him as a choice wasn't really something he could have accepted at all. That there was a false tension there in the sense that we, the viewer, thought that Elliot had this choice. But in actuality, there was no way that he could have accepted it at all. And that's to something that you said earlier, really what this episode is about in terms of the illusion of choice and are we just sort of stuck in these ever ever more confining boxes and are our movements really restricted and how much do we really determine what happens to us and you're right I think Elliot is caught in some kind of maze potentially of his own doing yeah I I think episode two is where I think the series really starts to hit a stride. I mean, episode one is is great. It's a great introduction to the characters and it 
sets things in motion. But the way that episode two picks up the threads of episode one and kind of takes them in unforeseen directions, it's it's part of what I really love about the show is you can just see it kind of take our assumptions about where things are going to go and take them in a completely unexpected direction, at least for me. I agree. And when Elliot gets back to his office at All Safe, we can tell that Gideon is starting to be suspicious of Elliot a little bit and poking around where maybe he should not be poking as far as Elliot is concerned. And then I was really compelled when they showed the first F Society ad where they pulled in video montage from things like figures such as Putin and Gaddafi and introduced again this idea of debt enslavement and again limited choices. And it's something about the episode and its focus on consequences I find really interesting because in a way even the larger goal of getting rid of debt is a way to kind of manage consequences whether real or deserved. This idea that you're going to liberate people from their consequences of both the society they live in and their personal financial choices. Oh, that's an excellent point. And it's it's only something that I think is becoming more and more part of people's everyday consciousness. This comes up in so many different ways, especially at, given all that's happening right now in our world. A lot of um, displacement and a lot of really intense feelings going on. The next scene with Ollie and Angela, when they happen to buy that CD from who turns out to be Cisco, the hacker, I have seen this episode three or four times, and I never made the full connection that Ollie bought a CD <laughs> for agreeing just to do give 20 likes. So again, currency is not really what matters. Social currency is what matters. Ollie was duped into basically allowing himself to be exposed and his whole computer to be exposed. So in the in the universe of choices and consequences, this is a representation of the type of choice that you make without really knowing that a certain ne negative outcome is going to be likely. Because some of the choices that people are making in this episode, you can kind of see that it's not going to lead to a good outcome, like without the uh, drug that helps him prevent addiction. That's something that you can kind of see going in, in a bad way. And there's other decisions that people make in the episode that you can kind of see the natural outcome. But something like this that Ollie does, it's completely unforeseeable. So do really people deserve the outcome or the consequences of all of their choices? You see situations like Ollie's where it says no. That's Sometimes things just happen to you. And they really go out of their way to make Ollie be the dumbest, dullest bulb on the porch, as they might say. He jokes about having a Groupon for four at Morton's. He's a bit basic and bragging that he has 48 followers on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I was, I think I was sitting next to an Ollie at dinner last night. There was someone sitting next to my wife and I talking about some guy that they knew and who was a great programmer who just started working at Google. And his whole thing was he used, he knew how to program in a program based on logic is what he kept saying over and over logic based programming. And I thought to myself, what, what is this guy talking about? Like that's, that's Ollie right there, right? Like someone who's trying to be part of the tech club, but not really, not really at all. And another thing, that's a great point. And we encounter so many people like that. And I think even the 
again, that show Silicon Valley, which is the second time in a row I'm mentioning that, but it's kind of a nice contrast to Mr. Robot. Even Silicon Valley has big head, right? The, the kind of barely functional programmer who somehow ends up becoming a multimillionaire because he's in the right time with the right place. And Ollie could potentially never really aspire to be that. But I do think it's interesting the way they show that Ollie is leading this double life and how technology has really enabled us to more effectively lead multiple lives behind the backs of others. And in a way, the choice, even though the choice that he made to take the CD, put it in his computer and have it get infected and overtaken by the Dark Army, even that even though that choice was unforeseen, him messing around and doing all of this stuff behind his girlfriend's back, using technology, and having someone threaten to reveal it, that's not completely unforeseen, right? The Ashley Madison hack and things like this, people have the sense of, of uh, just desserts when it comes to people having their activities revealed. Absolutely. I mean, people make the mistake of thinking that their data or their acts are anonymous. And I think people are becoming smarter about it, but still not smart enough. So basically when Cisco, that hacker introduced the CD to Ollie, when Ollie loaded that CD onto his computer, a Trojan horse was introduced and it enabled them to access Ollie's webcam and to take all these kinds of screenshots. And if people who are listening to this do not have a webcam cover for their laptops, (laughs) you really ought to get one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely something to be aware of that you can compromise your your security uh, through things that you would not think would leave yourself open. I thought it was interesting where Elliot was trying to find inf- more information about Terrell and started, you know, guessing at his password, getting into his email, and then suspected that maybe it was a honeypot that Terrell had laid this out there to entrap to entrap or ensnare him. And then immediately what he started doing, he started taking a drill to his hard drives, started throwing things in the microwave. Like that was his reaction to a possible risk that he had taken. And it was really interesting to see how aware he was of risks when it came to something as ephemeral ephemeral as uh, online hacking versus the risks he takes in his real life. He seems to play fast and loose with his own health and his life, but he immediately realized that Terrell might've been setting a trap. Seems to me that's what he was doing. It seems like he made it really too easy for, for Elliot to hack into his information. And we know, we learn later that Terrell is not some corporate dweeb with very little knowledge of how to hack people that in actuality, he's pretty sophisticated when it comes to hacking people and can do his own bit of hacking himself. And meanwhile, we had another one of those really awesome subway shots, and it opens with Darlene and Elliot interacting on the subway. There was a nice touch I wanted to point out. I'm sure you've been on the subway recently in New York City, and there are all these different signs like, if you see something, say something. And this sign says, be a sign of solution, not pollution. Anyone who's ridden the MTA bunch knows that they have the worst signage. I don't know who they pay to write those slogans, but they're so bad and uncreative. And I thought that was a tongue-in-cheek reference to those really bad bits of public messaging. 
So do you think that the scene in the subway is a metaphor in that particular instance, like we've discussed in the prior episodes, or do you think that this was one of those real subway scenes? Gosh, I never really know. I mean, I think because Darlene is there that at least some of it was really happening. I, I, we do see the men in black trailing them, right? And so was it the men in black from Evil Corp? Or was it evil, uh, evil men in black from some other organization? Yeah, it's likely it could be anyone. It could be the evil core people following him. It could be the other hacker group, the Dark Army, who are sort of keeping track of where F Society is located. It's also interesting that we do learn that F Society has created at least a tentative alliance with the Dark Army, who are more considered uh, a mercenary group. So we learn here that not all different hacker groups have the same purpose or even are necessarily organized like that. And, and I love the larger goal and the incorporation of Iron Mountain or Steel Mountain um, into the story and the goals of the group. Uh, my wife was watching this, and she's not a technology person at all. And she immediately got the reference that Steel Mountain is supposed to be Iron Mountain. And I thought that was a, a really nice touch. Yes, Iron Mountain, for those who might want to know, is a worldwide company that that works in records management. And they are the extreme shredders of the world and data backup and recovery folks. So they they have a lot of sensitive data at their fingertips. So the, the goal of targeting... Steel Mountain and making the hard choices that they're wrestling with in terms of collateral damage in order to wipe out debt. It's something that Elliot's really grappling with as he's faced with that choice. It's really come down to more than just ones and zeros <laughs> in a, of a digital kind. And now we're talking about damage to actual living beings, then this becomes real on a level that I think is terrifying. You know about all this? You're the first. Workers? Anyone living around the plant? And they all die? Well, give them a head start. Sound some alarms. They'll be fine. Blowing up a gas pipeline. The world is a dangerous place, Elliot. Not because of those who do evil, but because of those who look on and do nothing. This is war. People will die. Say them all. And once we blow up the pipeline, Darlene's worm will kick into high gear at the U.S. data center, which you helped us to install. Thank you very much. The redundant backups at their eastern data center in China. The Dark Army is covering us on that. Dark Army. Why, man? They got no code. They hack for anyone. Terrorists, North Korea, Iran, Russia. Which means they hate U.S. capitalism just as much as anyone. Last but not least, Steel Mountain. The hacker's dilemma. What to do when a bunch of data you want to destroy is completely off the grid? I'm not killing anyone. Tell me one thing, Elliot. Are you a one or a zero? And so I think that last scene with Mr. Robot and Elliot, where he tells him about the choices 
The choice that he made when he decided to reveal his father's secret that he was dying of leukemia to his mother and the consequence of that with him saying that his father pushed him out a window and he broke his arm, it was an interesting examination again of choices and consequences. Yes. And we see that follow through in how he relates with what is going on with Shayla and this awful drug dealer dude, Fernando, and how they're all interrelated because it's Fernando who can supply not only the opiates for Shayla to sell to Elliot, but also the Suboxone, which is what is used to treat and counter addiction. And Elliot goes down this rabbit hole with him because he wants that access, but then uh, ends up getting involved in hacking him. And one thing I thought you might want to talk about is Elliot talks about how this guy, who's also kind of an ollie of the gang world, not too savvy, is using things like Twitter to communicate gang code. Yeah, well, speaking of rabbit holes, I think Fernando Vera, the, the drug dealer, is an interesting character because it also tells us, the viewer, that there's something deeper going on here. Because when you actually look at his Twitter handle, that Twitter handle actually really exists. The footage that was shown on the show, if you go onto Twitter and look for that handle, you'll find it. And there's some dialogue that Fernando has with Elliot where he says, you know, you need to Google the name. You know, you always need to Google the name. And if you actually Google Fernando Vera's name, it means brave traveler, right? So then it starts leading down this rabbit hole of like, okay, so then what does Elliot's name mean, right? And then you you Google that and you find out that Elliot is like this old English version of Elijah. And when you actually start looking into what Elijah is all about, you get into the biblical prophet and the guy who rode the chariot of fire into the sky. And so it, it's, it becomes this other rabbit hole itself. And it's this interesting wrinkle that the writers put in. And to me, one of the first ways that the show and its writers kind of challenge the viewers with the larger rabbit holes that exist in the show. Of course, we know that that was all done on purpose. Everything in the show seems so carefully thought out. Even when they have shots of Times Square, they have signs that they kind of alter with computer animation. So behind Elliot in one of the scenes, I think from last week's episode, he was standing in front of the Forever 21 sign, but they blocked out the 21 and it just says forever. So it takes on such a surreal quality. This gang guy, Fernando, who's, whose handle is also happens to be EdaDick6969, <laughs> was very into talking about the meaning of names. Yeah. And so I think he becomes this interesting, and the fact that he's a drug dealer and consumes drugs himself kind of creates a surreal quality to the dialogue that he has with Elliot, right? That he's sinister, and at the same time, it's a bit like talking to that character in Alice in Wonderland who's blowing rings of smoke in your face while spouting things that seem both wise and insane. I think this was a pretty awesome episode. I think there was a lot of character development, and we got to explore what it really means about the illusion of choice, you know, is it McDonald's or Burger King, Coke or Pepsi? How do we know if uh, we're in control? No, we're not just making the best of what comes at us and that's it. We're trying to constantly pick between two options. 
Like your two paintings in the waiting room. Or Coke and Pepsi. McDonald's or Burger King? Hyundai or Honda? Hmm. It's all part of the same blur, right? Just out of focus and out. It's the illusion of choice. And half of us can't even pick our own, our cable, our gas, electric, the water we drink, our health insurance. Even if we did, would it matter? Now, if our only option is Blue Cross or Blue Shield, what the f is the difference? Elliot raises some good questions for us to think about in the 21st century. And I, and I think uh, one parting thought, I think there's an interesting uh, relationship and parallel you can draw with the fact that when Elliot broke his confidence and his promise to his father, he got pushed out of the window and broke his arm. And when his price for getting back into the good graces of society after breaking his promise was to get pushed off the ledge onto some rocks. I think so too. That was so surprising to see that scene where where Mr. Robot just loses his temper with Elliot. Throughout most of the scenes, we see Christian Slater carrying a book by Leo Tolstoy called Resurrection. I think that's a nice way for us to wrap this up. Thanks, Henry, for chatting with me about ones and zeros. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Margaret. Look forward to chatting about the next one. Yeah, this episode was definitely not a zero. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) (laughs) Groan. (laughs) (laughs) It's been great having a chance to talk about Mr. Robot. And I wanted to thank Henry. And I wanted to thank all of the people who have subscribed so far to this podcast, the Hello Friend podcast. I look forward to talking more with Henry about season one and gearing up for season two, which starts in July of 2016. If you want to share any comments, please feel free to rate and review us on iTunes or through our Facebook page at the Hello Friend podcast. And also, if you like this podcast and you're interested in hearing some of the other shows that we recap, please check out the Zombie Jamboree podcast, all about The Walking Dead. And you might want to also check out the Orphan Cast, a podcast that's all about the pretty cool and wild show Orphan Black. With that in mind, I look forward to chatting more. And I know that I'm not a zero. And anyone who listens to this podcast is also not a zero. We're all ones. Thanks again and take care. I'll talk to you soon. You've brought up this issue before. This issue of not feeling like you're in control. Do you remember? When we spoke about your father, you talked about how he chose to do nothing. He was battling his cancer. He told him he could have fought the company that caused it. He could have told people about it. He could have sought better care than what he was getting. Instead, he did nothing. Maybe your father felt the same way as you do now. After all, like you said, what's the point? It's different. What's different is you found options, Elliot. That's the power you have. That's the control you own. You don't have to just take what life gives you. Come on. Tell me what is going on with you. I cannot help you if you keep me in the dark. Shut up!